my name's Marion. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm in Glasgow. Um, my uh, my dad got sober in 1967, um, and I was 10 months old. Um, so A has been part of my life, my whole life, and um, a lot of my happy family memories, childhood memories, were going to the rooms on a Saturday afternoon with, with my mum and dad, you know, and um, as I say, it was just always a positive thing. Um, my brother's also in the fellowship, so I, although I never seen my dad drinking, um, I certainly seen my, the the effects in my brother's drinking on on my mum. Um, what I, what I would normally say to folk is uh, that my mum, my dad, um, did a pretty good job of recovering from his alcoholism, but my mother never really did. Um, she had been so traumatised. Um, by his drinking and by the, the poverty that that then created. Um, you know, she just had lifelong mental health difficulties. Although they did kind of come full circle and, you know, things were things were pretty good between them at the end. But um, yeah, although my dad was in the, we had a fairly dysfunctional household. Um, but I also say to people, although it was not perfect, it was um, a lot better than the cousins that I had who still had performing alcoholic parents, you know? Um, so yeah, there was always food on the table. I was well looked after, I was loved, um, but my mum had quite severe uh, mental health difficulties in and out of hospital. And my dad worked 12 hour shifts and then he, he would go to an AA meeting. Um, so, you know, uh, he wasn't around an awful lot. Um, but anyway, so I picked up my first drink at the age of 13 as most people in Scotland that's your, that's the kind of rite of passage you know almost although it's legally 18 but um and suddenly it was like I just felt like I'd arrived it was suddenly I had all this confidence and I thought I was suddenly funny and I wasn't just this nervous wreck of a child um so yeah um I had quite a, a fairly long honeymoon period with alcohol. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you can go back and pinpoint a, a incidents, you know, that were, that were problematic. But for a long time, I, I went out with my pals at the weekend and I got drunk and, and it was cool and I enjoyed it. Um, and there was no lot of bother. Um, however, by, I moved to Edinburgh and I started working in pubs. And by the way, see if I'm talking too quickly and people can't understand me, going to just tell me because I forget that I'm talking to people from all over. Um, so, yeah, I, I started working in pubs and that's when the kind of midweek drink started because if you're off on a Tuesday, it's all right to get drunk on a Tuesday then, obviously. Um, and I passed all these invisible lines like of when it was all right to drink in the house and then when it was all right to drink in the house on my own. Um, and by 23, I, that was the first, you know, that was the first time I had I took an overdose and, and had my, my stomach pumped. And, and that, that was a result of um, excessive alcohol and, and mental health and no learning any good coping mechanisms um, when I was growing up. So, 
you know, life went on and my drinking was, you know, anybody that knew me, I was a heavy drinker, but, I, you know, I wasn't, most people that knew me wouldn't have thought for a minute that I was alcoholic or, you know, um, anything like that. But it just steadily got worse. I, I was really lucky. I got the chance to go to uni when I was 30. And um, I discovered in my first year at university that I was dyslexic. And that kind of explained a lot for me. Um, but my drinking just, I don't know how I get through that degree. I st you know, it's just amazing that I did because my drinking just got worse and worse. And I was married. I got married by this point. Um, and, you know, I had started waking up in places where I shouldn't have been waking up. And um, I started mixing with people that normally I wouldn't have been mixing with. And things just got worse and worse and worse. And I was lying to everybody, including myself. And then I just, you know, um, I just ran away because I knew the shit was about to hit the fan. Um, and I knew that all of the lies were about to come crashing down during my ears. So I just ran away. And I was quite good at that when I look back, you know, the whole, I would, things would be great for a while. And then if I mess up, I'd just do the geographical and I'd reinvent myself somewhere else. And things would be all right for, for, a, for a while. And so, yeah, I found myself homeless in the south side of Glasgow. And um, I'd finished my degree by this point and I was, I was doing a postgraduate, um, but then I was offered um, a job with Glasgow City Council in the social work department, which was, you know, um, basically the, the, the job in my dreams at that point in my life. And um, <laughs> Glasgow City Council also gave me a house on that day. So I went from being um, homeless and unemployed to, to working for social work and, and having a house. But um, even though I'd just been given the job in my dreams, um, my life continued to spiral. And I always say it was the last two, three years in my drinking that I did 80% of the damage. You know, it was, I was drinking, by this point, I'm drinking at least a bottle of wine every night, sometimes two. Um, I kept myself away from AA for a long time. I was completely and utterly ad adamant that I wasn't an alcoholic, that I had a mental health problem. And, um, you know, so people needed to feel sorry for me. Um, but it was just becoming more and more crazy. My life was becoming crazy. That's the only way I can describe it. It was, I think one one instance for me that, that sums up how unmanageable my life was, was I was sitting at my desk in a social work office at nine o'clock in the morning, picking the charcoal out of my teeth because they had been pumping my stomach four hours earlier. Um, getting my stomach pumped had became every cut, you know, the, the, the self-harming of taking tablets and, you know, it was only recently that I kind of realised that what I was, a lot of the time, it wasn't that I was wanting to kill myself, although later on that was the case, but a lot of it was just that I felt like I was such a terrible person that I needed, I needed to be purged somehow, that I would take all these tablets and then they would pump my stomach and, you know, and, and somehow that would be like purging me of 
all this craziness and all this badness. Like, completely fucking nuts, you know? Um, so I, was, um, and, and my finances, my, you know, I was taking money out of my credit card to pay my credit card. Um, I owed, if you knew me, I owed you money. Um, overdrafts, because I was a student as well, and because my husband had, had quite a good job, you know, it was the 90s, people were throwing credit at you, so I had I had lots of debt. Um, I then got pulled up at work for smelling alcohol, and I was I was so upset that night that I had to buy two bottles of wine on the way home from work, you know, having, having been pulled up for honking the alcohol. Um, and I think, again, one of the reasons I got away with it for so long was because the majority of clients I worked for had a drink problem, and so they didn't smell the drink off me or if they did that wasn't a problem to them you know um but anyway it all kind of came to uh well, I, I think as well it's it's kind of important to to say that there was sexual abuse in my childhood it wasn't in my direct family um but a lot of that was very unresolved in me and Coming into my 30s, I had started to have a lot of flashbacks of things that I had completely forgotten about. Um, so a lot of the drinking was, I think, you know, trying to control my emotions. I've also got um, endometriosis, which is a condition of the womb, but it also affects your hormone balances. So, like, you know, I was off my nut and they were trying to give me antidepressants and that, that, was, that was just no what I needed um, but anyway so it was a Tuesday night and I went round to a friend's house with a bottle of wine and the friend wasn't in but her brother was um, and he had a bottle of wine so we drank the wine and then I wasn't feeling very well and I, I was I, I was upset and I sat up at the window to get some air and um, the you know he went to the loo and when he came back out of the loo at first he thought I had left um, and then he was just like, no, and he looked out the window and I had, I had either fallen or jumped out of this two-storey window. And the reason I say that is because I, I was in a, a, a blackout. And by that point in my life, I was having as many suicide attempts as I was having hot dinners. So, you know, I, do, I to this day don't know if I fell or jumped out of that window. I think I fell. I, I, I do think I fell. I don't think I would have done something like that when somebody else was there, you know. So anyway, I wake up in hospital and my spine's broken two places. I've got three broken ribs, a suspected head injury. My right heel is smashed to smithereens. And um, I'm paralysed for the waist in, basically. So for the first time in my life, I couldn't get up and run away. For the first time in my life, I had to face what I had done. And for the first time in my life, I just had this very brief moment of clarity where I finally accepted and admitted that it was alcohol that was causing all this craziness in my life. Um, and so, you know, I said to my brother, you know, I want, I want to get sober. And I think as well, it's important to say to folk that, you know, um, I, I, I didn't get sober for myself. I know they tell you that you've got to do it for yourself. Um, 
But for I had no self worth. I hated. I just hated Marion. She was pathetic, and I hated her. And I had no self worth whatsoever. However, when my mum came arrived at the hospital, I'll never forget what she said. She 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 just started crying, and she says, "Look at my wing. She's all broke." And I just thought, I can't do this to her anymore. She'd went through it with my dad, my brother, and now I was tearing this world, this woman's serenity to bits. Um, so that's really what, that's really why I wanted to get sober. I wanted to get sober at that point, no for me, to just stop the heart that I was causing everybody else. My sister... I would have probably been dead long before my sister had propped me up, paid debts off, you know, just everything. So I'm like, I'm, because of the nature of the breaks in my spine, the doctors didn't want to do any kind of surgery. So I had to lie still for six weeks and staring at a white ceiling with two mirrors on either side of me. Um, and it was a sobering experience, you know. But I have to say as well, I was completely psychotic while I was in the hospital. There was a period in the hospital where I was just completely psychotic. They had me on so much medication and, and I was adamant that I just wanted to die. You know, the idea of living life in a wheelchair was just, I just, I couldn't cope with it. And I was just like, no, I'd, I'd, I'd just rather die. Um, however, I, you know, I'm in a secular group. I don't um, have anything to do with organised religion, but I do have a higher power, and I've always had a higher power, um, and she kind of changes over time. Um, and that night, I prayed, and, I, and this is the truth. This is what I said. I said, if you give me my legs back, I'll be a really good socialist, and I'll promise that I'll try really hard not to drink again. And... That was the closest I ever got to a, to a prayer, you know. Um, and shortly thereafter, my wee toe started to move on my left foot. And the doctors were, like, amazed. They were like, according to your x-rays, this shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be walking. Um, you shouldn't be able to move, you know. So after about three months of grueling um, physio, and... I, um, a lot of pain every night at 10 o'clock it was like an alarm clock it would start with the horrendous pains going down my legs I, 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 I realized later or I was, it was explained to me later that these pains were the feeling coming back into my legs um, and my movement coming back um, but it was it was it was a very very dark time but the wee light of the wee the wee bit of light and all of that was a guy called Alec who was the health liaison officer for for Glasgow South AA and Alec was bringing up I mean, I'm showing my age here right because he was bringing up tapes this was this was 2004 when I had when I had the accident um, so he was bringing up tapes um, grapevines you know and just talking to me and you know, once I was once I was able to get up into the wheelchair, he was then taking me to, to meetings that were kind of local to the hospital and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, slowly but surely, I, I kind of, you know, more more of my bits started to move and started to work. And so really intense physio. Um, I was on two sticks. By the time I left the hospital, uh, which was 
six months after my accident, uh, sorry, four months after my accident, um, I, I was on two sticks. I could barely walk the length of myself, right? But the real work of staying sober started when I came out of the hospital because it was fairly easy to no be drinking, given that I was on antipsychotic medicine and everything else that they were, you know, um, all the painkillers and stuff like that. Uh, so they, 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 you know, I left the hospital um, and although I could barely walk, I was I was going to meetings. I was trying my best, you know. I had to, I realised, because, I, you know, I had lots of experience of AA. I had watched lots of people getting sober. My dad done a lot of work, a lot of 12 step work. Um, I had met aunties and uncles than, than any other way in school. Um, and, you know, so I knew that I had to, I had to stay away from the first drink and I had to go to meetings. And uh, that's just what I'd done. And, you know, I always say to people as well that my relationship with Alcoholics Anonymous is as dysfunctional as my relationship with everything else and everyone else on this planet. Um, I have I had periods where I completely fell out with and stopped coming. Um, I didn't drink, but I was half my nut, you know? Um, but yeah, so I went back to work six months after my accident, which was also insanity. But I was I was so desperate not to lose my job. Um, so I went back to work and a year later I got a promotion as an addiction worker, which was my total dream job. Um, and and life was pretty good. I was I was going to meetings. Um, it came up for my first year's uh, anniversary. And uh, I decided to take myself to a convention in, in Ireland, in Ballyshannon, in Ireland. And I'd never been to Ireland before, so it was a, a big treat for me. Um, so I went to this convention and, you know, most people would bring back like a, a, a bit of jewellery or, you know, a bit of literature or something. I brought back a mad Irishman that I'd met who was from Ballyshannon. Um, I was a year sober and he was six months sober. So you can imagine how that one ended. It was insanity. The whole relationship was was insane. Um, and yeah, so during this point as well, I'm just, my health is deteriorating. When you break your spine, it's not just your spine, it's, it affects everything, you know, um, and I'm not going to go into any bloody details over it, but I just continued to have health issue after health issue. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I wasn't particularly being supported in my, in, by my employer, um, and I, I was just really, really struggling. Life was, was just an absolute struggle constant struggle for me um, and I lost my job in 2008 due to lack of capability uh, which absolutely broke my heart you know and I also just before I had lost my job um, sorry I'm kind of jumping back and forwards here a wee bit but um, that relationship that I was in with that chap that came to an end shortly after my 40th birthday when I had, had spent my 40th birthday having a miscarriage. And that was shite. That was because, you know, because of the endometriosis, 
I had never expected to fall pregnant. And then when I fell pregnant, I was, my whole world was just like, wow, this is different. Um, and then I lost the baby. And it was, that was, that was the death knell of a relationship, which was already um, dying, you know. So, um, yeah, so life goes on and I'm just, I'm having problems with painkillers by this point. I'm, you know, it was just horrendous. I, I, I was I was exhausted all of the time. I was trying to work. I was trying to work as an addiction worker whilst taking huge amounts of pain medication, which was all prescribed. Um, but yeah, I just I fell out me. I drifted away from me. That's probably a, a better kind of way of saying it, really. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't drink, but eventually my head brought me back to AA. And, um, you know, seeing the early days of, of no drinking, it was just a key. I had, for me, I had to change everything. I had to change people that I hang about, the people that I hung about with, um, just everything, you know, and even just like clearing my debt was a major accomplishment, you know. Um, but my head was still, you know, I'd, I'd so much unresolved nonsense. Um, and, I'd, you know, this is where I have to put my hands up as well and say, like, I have, I've never done steps. I've never done the programme. And I do often, I hope, if there any, I think there's one newcomer here. Um, please, my story is how no idea. You know, I made every single mistake. I made it as difficult for my, myself as possible by no day in the programme, um, because I was arrogant, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I knew all this stuff, this stuff's been in my life, my whole life, I, you know, I, so I've, I've never, I've never had a sponsor, I've never done steps, um, but what I, what I do have is, um, I have my self-respect, I, I have my independence, and my self-respect, and um, I have a completely manageable life. Um, I have real friends in my life who who care for me really deeply. Um, I, I joined uh, Tolerance Tuesday, I think about three years ago now. Um, my big pal Dante had started at that time the only secular group in Scotland. He's since also started a meeting just up the road in East Kilbride, but they are the only two secular meetings in, in Scotland. Um, so we've got, you know, as you can imagine, we've got a terrible reputation of being the no God um, group and all the rest of it, although most of the members actually do have a higher power. Um, but yeah, so the, the group, the group is going from strength to strength, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, because it was a bit of an old boys club for a while, you know, when I first joined. Um, but we we have um, a very varied um, attendance and people who are actually in the group. You know, we've got people in the group that that can't that have any managed 
24 hours yet and we've got people like Dante who's like about 150 years sober you know um I'm 18 years alcohol free um it's probably the other thing about being um sober is that I'm honest I'm honest I like to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and I don't you know I'm I'm yeah, because I see when I was drinking, I had lied to so many people that I didn't know what the truth was anymore. You know, I gen- I'd, I'd actually started to believe my own bullshit. And um, so I, life isn't like that today. Uh, you know, even just for the fact that nobody, that my phone isn't ringing and I'm too scared to pick it up. And then when I, do, when I did pick it up, it was my sister going, do you remember what you said last night? Do you remember what you done last night? See, no, hear the words for the last 18 years. That has made this journey worthwhile. You know, I, I, I know that I no longer hurt people and I know I no longer hurt myself because, yeah, I dished out nastiness and, you know, unfaithfulness. And, and all of these things when I was drinking. But drinking also made me very vulnerable to, to people taking advantage as well. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways. But, yeah, so, you know, life, life, is, um, life isn't perfect. Uh, I'd love to get back to work, um, but my health just... But, you know, I'd really love to get back to work part time. Um, but what I've, what, I, what I've done, I would say, in the last few years is, is that I have I've realised that I get out of a what I put into it. So the more I put into AA, the more I get out of it. And, you know, I think as well, for the sake of honesty as well, eh, it's like I, I use cannabis for pain medication. Um, a lot of people that really upsets a lot of people, um, but you know, I, I, it's non-problematic for me, and it doesn't have all the horrible side effects that the the opiate medication and and all of the other alternatives. And my my pain specialist, who's like the top guy in Britain, he has, um, you know, I have his blessing, and he says if he could prescribe it for me, he would. Um, so yeah, I just like to get that out. Um, so yeah, um, you know, life isn't perfect, but it's all right. It's manageable, um, and I, I live, I live uh, a positive life. I'm a, I'm a positive um, contribution to to my family, um, who are still in, you know, the next generation are just surpassing us um and unmanageability and, and problematic substance use but at least it's no me um and you know I do a lot of stuff in my community I'm on my community council and just various bits and I, and and I also do service um any um so yeah I mean I you know I, I've made every mistake in the book I'm still making some of them um, but my life is manageable, and that's what I came to AA for. I, 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 I didn't come to AA to become a spiritual giant or, you know, a, 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 a guru or, 
or anything like that. I just came to get so that I wouldn't drink and that my life would be manageable. And and that's what I came to for and that's what he has given me. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really grateful to EA and I've realised that in the last few years and that's why I want to do a wee bit more service. Um, and every time I see a newcomer coming in, I, I just think, well, you know, there was people here for me when I came in and so it's important, I think, that um, even as dinosaurs hang about, just you know, so that we can we can be here for for the new people, and that's the other thing as well about you know Zoom was an absolute godsend during the lockdown, but for me it's important that I do my AE in my community and in my family at times as well, but you know definitely in my community, and we do have a lot of newcomers, some of them the initial introduction was through Zoom, you know, and it, it was an absolute great tool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think JJ Kale sums it up better than I do. And it's um, a wee line from one of his songs called The Breeze. And it's, I ain't hiding from nobody and nobody's hiding from me. And that is all I ever wanted. So I'm glad to be here and I'm glad I'm no drinking. Thanks. <laughs>